Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 242 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by, San Diego. What's that movie? Come on, I know you know it. That's Anchorman. What a classic. That is honestly probably one of the funniest movies I've seen. Um, Tell me I'm wrong. Convince me I'm wrong. How about that? How about that? Well, before I introduce today's guest, I got to say the craft beer label design course is coming in hot and I am so excited to bring this to you. This has been a massive project since six months plus in the making um, from filming, from idea to, to generating scripts, to putting all the, the content together, gathering these labels, filming the, the on-screen design software stuff, all of it. But gosh, I'm excited to bring it to you. The Craft Beer Label Design course drops March 2nd. And if you want to be front of the line for this bad boy and first to get the amazing bonus for signing up, head over to printdesignacademy.com. Link, of course, is in the description of this podcast as well. And sign up for two things. One email, but two things. One is you are going to be front of the line First to know about the craft beer label design course launch, when we kick those doors open, when it's available, and the shockingly inexpensive price point that I put that sucker up there as. Because you know me, I want more people doing print. I want more designers doing print. And you know, if you're charging $17,000 for a course to teach them how to do it, you know, bury your entry. Come on now. So I made it extremely affordable for people to get involved with because doing print and creating print, creating objects is freaking rad. The second thing you get by going to printdesignacademy.com is a sweet little PDF guide that I put together to just sort of whet your appetite a little bit about craft beer label design. I picked five of my favorite craft beer labels and I dive into them and tell you how they were made. Little bits about file, little bits about the, the material used to make it, the process used to make it, colors involved, things like that. So go get it. Go get it. Printdesignacademy.com. Craft beer label design course drops March 2nd. March 2nd. So today my guest on the show is Patrick Richardson, also known as January Began. He's a graphic designer and illustrator out of Fort Collins, Colorado. During this episode, we talk about him drawn as a kid. There it is. There's the signs, my friends. Getting into design by just drawing as a kid. He then shares with us the odd design course. Yes, you heard that, right? The odd design course that he took and it just, it showed him the world of design. I can show you the world of design. Just made that up. He then shares with us the challenge of finding his first design job. And if you've ever been, you know, I'm out of school now, got to find a job. You'll, you'll know some of the pain points of that. He shares his story with us. He then tells us about a project that he got into an REI store and honestly, how simple it was to get some stuff in there. Like huge props, Patrick, just for the, the gumption of taking that approach. He tells, you, he tells us about that in this episode. All of that. And so much more. Let's kick it over to my friend Patrick. Ladies and gentlemen, my wonderful guest, Patrick Richardson from January Begin. Here we go. 
Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Patrick, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, man. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing swell. Thank you for asking. Patrick, before we get too deep into this, too committed, too far, I first have to ask you, are you ready for a quickie? Uh, just as long as it is not too quick. Not too quick. These, not too honestly, these never are. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> they just never are. Awesome. Well, then I'm going to kick this over to you and I'm going to ask you to briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Patrick uh, Richardson, and I'm a designer and an illustrator, um, lots of other things out of uh, Fort Collins area, Colorado. I used to live in Fort Collins, moved a little further away, but um, that's where I'd say I'm based out of, mm-hmm. um, born out of, or born out of, born in Michigan, and I've lived there most of my life. Uh, I've been in Colorado for 10 years now, and uh, I've been designing and illustrating just as long. Um, yeah, so I freelance, I own like a side business as well as I'm a full-time designer in-house at a huge agriculture company. Oh, very cool. So you got the design day job going on and then you've got the side hustle. Oh yeah. I I have a lot of hustles. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's hard to keep up with them. Yeah, totally true. So uh, off script, let me ask you, um, do you prefer sort of the, the vision? Is it to to go full-time freelance side hustle with your own thing? Or do you like having that, um, you know, that design in-house job? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, uh, you know, when I started off my career, I, uh, I, I'm originally an illustrator. That's my degree. Yeah. So when I started, I fully planned on freelancing. And I honestly had no idea what that looked like. Um, and so that was the dream. And then once I got it in out into the real world, it, uh, kind of changed. <laughs> and once I got married and had kids, it really changed. So right now I, I do like the, um, security, I suppose, of an in-house gig. I, I do like the balance of the freedom of creativity and working with clients I want to work with, um, on the side. So it's kind of like this, I don't know. Like I like if, if I could get the security out of freelancing, then, you know, perhaps I would go that way, but, um, all the benefits I I can't pass up. So (laughs) totally, totally. Yeah. I I completely understand. It's the, especially once you've got kids and things like that, where you just like, it's you brother. Yeah. (laughs) Making magic. (laughs) Cool, man. So speaking of kids, I want to kick this back in time and I want to ask you about your childhood, Patrick, what was your childhood? Like, did you have a creative childhood that sort of pointed you down this career path? Yeah. So, uh, when I was growing up, I, I, I was always drawing all the time. Um, I, I think my earliest memories of drawing was drawing dinosaurs, like in church <laughs> on bulletins and stuff. Oh, um, you, you were drawing them while you were in church. You weren't drawing uh, dinosaurs correct. in church. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I guess my whole childhood, I've, I've been a very distracted person and, um, so I'm always drawing. It's always been a good outlet uh, for that distraction. And so I've always been creative and my parents have always encouraged it. 
um, you know, maybe not to some extent, like when I was in school, it's supposed to be doing one thing and I'm drawing. I even did that in college. I don't know why, but if I was like in a philosophy class, I was still drawing, uh, you know, something. Um, so yeah, I definitely grew up, uh, cre- with creativity around me. So that's awesome. So you grew up drawing, um, you grew up sort of in this, you know, creatively encouraged environment. What, what turned you on to graphic design? What, 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 or who I should say told you that graphic design was a thing. That's a, yeah, I wish I had a really awesome story for it, but (laughs) basically, uh, yeah. So when I went to, as I mentioned, I, you know, I was really encouraged to draw and that's basically all I knew. That's how everyone knew me for basically in, you know, middle school and high school, I was always that kid that could draw really great and everyone knew me that way. So like when I went to college, there was no debate. That was what I was going to do. Um, but again, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't really know what that entailed. I didn't know what freelance illustration was. I didn't know anything about it, but, you know, I did get a degree in illustration or well, rather a master of fine arts, um, emphasis in illustration. And while I was in college, you know, the first year they had it set up where you kind of go through this like foundations class. And then at the end of that year, you kind of specialize and you have to get, into the graphic design course or you have to get into the illustration course. And there's only like 18 spots available. Um, so while I was in my, my freshman year, I, I really started noticing graphic design work in the hallways. And, and I do remember taking a class in high school and I can't remember what it was called, but it was so random and it was basically graphic design. I mean, we were like working in like some really old version of Photoshop yeah. changing the colors of apples and cutting them out and masking them. And it was not called graphic design. It was called like computer technologies or something. Mm-hmm. And I remembered back to that. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's what that is. And I was like, I think I like that more. But I was kind of already on course to do illustrations. So once I, I you know, so I stuck the course and I, got my degree or well, I got into the course, the, the class and I just stuck to it. But as I was in college, you know, it was a five-year program and uh, it, I just, I always envied the design students and I did take design courses cause we could kind of like go back and forth a little, but I just figured, you know, when I get out um, maybe I'll make the transition. And when I got out, I had no idea what to do. And then one day I just like managed to get a job in design. So and <laughs> just somehow yeah. pulled it off. Well, it wasn't somehow. It was it was difficult, but um for sure. It was it was a time. And there was times too where I wasn't even sure if that's what I wanted to do anymore. Cause you know, when you graduate in your whole your life, your people tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And then you get out in the world and you're like, Well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's how I at least that's how I felt. And uh, no, that's a very common thing, hundred yeah. percent. So did you have any other designers or illustrators as family members or mentors, you know, while you were, you know, younger and just sort of a pr- a going through college or just thinking about going in that direction? Uh, not really. No, my, uh, my grandpa, he, he could draw pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about it. He didn't, that, he had no career in it, but he would draw pictures occasionally. And he, him and I kind of had this special connection because I was always the drawer and he's always really excited to see what I was doing. Um, yeah. But yeah, nobody in my family has any creative <laughs> career. You're the, you're the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Patrick, is there something, some illustration or design that you saw during this phase in your life where it's, and that maybe stands out as the most influential design that you've seen something you saw and has just stuck with you since. Yeah, that's a, that's a really tough question. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best I could answer it is in my graphic design, uh, one of my graphic design intro courses in college, um, we had to do this huge project at the end and I discovered chip kid and, um, he, if you're not familiar with him, he's like this uh, book, book cover, you know, designer. He's like a rock star designer. And I, I got the opportunity to see him actually speak in Grand Rapids um, while I was in college and he's hilarious and he's got so many great anecdotes and he's, he's fun. And that he was like my, my go-to, I guess, as far as my idol at the time. So in that class, uh, I just remember a lot of pieces and, um, uh, there is a book called dry. Um, and it's like, I remember him telling the story about how he made the artwork for it, where he like, he had a photo and it like was drying or something. And the, the ink like poured down the photo and it made this really interesting look. And he, it, I think it was, I believe it was accidental. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's genius. Like, I don't know, but his work, a lot, there's so many covers that he's created that I, I, it's hard to name them all, but yeah. Yeah. But but his work definitely is something that you saw. Are there any other um, brands or designers that you uh, closely follow or look up to now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Instagram has really kind of opened up a lot of designers to me and, uh, I think the most influential designer and, you know, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen any of his designs, which is sounds funny, but Chris Doe, <laughs> yeah. uh, Chris Doe of the future. Uh, he, uh, and so I'm at a point in my life where, or my career, I guess, where I'm trying to think more about like business and uh, yeah. purpose and strategy and things like that. And uh, just even my, my my voice as a designer and all these things and Chris Doe delivers uh these amazing <laughs> insights into it. Uh he's more of the business side and yep. um yeah Chris Doe definitely there's some illustrators I really like like Sam Larson. Um I think he's in Utah. Um I really like Lincoln Brand. Um yep. yeah. Alan Peters if you're familiar with him. He's a really awesome designer. Definitely very very retro feel. I remember he did like a he did like a badge hunt or something like that. He was hunting for badges or something a while ago mm-hmm. and or patches or something like that. I can't remember, how, but that was my first sort of introduction to him. And it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. Yeah. But I just, just loved that, that piece of content that he was putting out there. Um, so Patrick, before I get into some of the tough questions here, some of the tough stuff um, that you've experienced in your career, I wanted to pull up your Instagram here, ask you a couple of questions about a few posts, and I don't have them pre-picked. I'm just going to scroll through here and see what stands out to me, and then um, and I want to hear a story about about it. I want to hear what um, what went into it. Hopefully, I can remember the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go right back to the beginning, like the very beginning. <laughs> Let's see here. This one is cool. This stands out to me. Okay, so tell me what's going on here. 
Yeah, so this actually was a, uh, so they're logos for uh, my day job, uh, which is the agriculture company I mentioned. And they needed, um, uh, what was the title of this? Pathway to growth, perhaps. And it had had to do with sustainability. So I made these icons and they, well, logos, sorry. And they had to do with uh, a compass or like a compass rose and leaves you know so I, like, I was trying to create an interesting interaction and how those went none of these were picked by the way but <laughs> so that's all right I, they were my favorites you know yeah they're really cool i really like them they, you. you know it's simple and clean but it, it's they come off very elegant yeah my i my favorite one's the top left one for sure i was yes. really hoping i was really hoping they'd go for it but uh yeah, those are some people. All, all as well. <laughs> some people just don't know design, you know? That's all right. <laughs> um, okay, this is cool. Pull this one up. Okay, this is just a personal project. Um, so in, this is, uh, I don't know if people, I, I don't know if people can, can't see this if you're going to just be audio, but it's a, it's a scenic scene. It's an illustration kind of retro. And it says, there's a sign that you would see like on a hiking trail and it says you are here. And this was just like an idea that popped into my head. Um, I was kind of thinking, um, and it was, it was at the end of last year and I was just kind of thinking about how in life we're always, you know, the metaphor of you're on this path, Right. And like, I hike a lot and I backpack. And, um, so like you're on this path to go to this destination. And then once you get to the destination, you unpack your stuff, you camp and whatever. But I guess I was just really thinking like the, the, the journey is the adventure, you know, that's, that's the point of it, you know? So like you are here, I was just like saying, here you are, you're right here, look around you. And it's something I got to remind myself all the time. Totally. And you know what's the fun, <laughs> a funny thing that I thought of as you're talking about that is we've taken our kids camping a few times, like out in the wilderness and things. And like the excitement and the journey to get there is the, is the most fun. Yeah. But once you're there, like on the parent <laughs> side of things, dude, you have to unpack everything. You have to get everything ready. You have to cook, do all the good yeah. cleaning. Camp, camping with children is a is a joy. It's a challenge. And you know, I live in Colorado, so going out into some you know fairly remote places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not backpacked with my kids outside of like some day backpacking type things, you know, but. Um, you know, just going camping in the backcountry is such a challenge. You don't have the amenities, you don't have anything. So you got to pack it all and getting it all out there and unloading it. It's just like, you're constantly like, Oh, it's such a struggle. But even that, even that it's hard, it's hard for me to be like, Oh, this is such a drag. Like, this isn't fun. This isn't what I was thinking, but then I have to stop myself and just say, no, this is like fatherhood camping. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, like it's an awesome, this, this will be a memory for my kids. I remember camping in Michigan with my parents in a camper, <laughs> you know, on a, on a river. I remember every one of them and it was always such a great time. So just got to remember that, man. Just got to find the joy and exactly. Yeah. Where you are. Joy in the chaos. Yes. All good, man. That's awesome. Cool. So now, unfortunately, Patrick, it's time for the tough stuff. 
Um, I've got a couple of questions here that take you to part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out of you and share those with the listeners. So first up, what has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Oh, that's, that's a tough question, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I think the beginning of my design career was the most challenging. Uh, I, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, I, it took me a while to get into design. I've, you know, I had a portfolio and it was all this, it was all based on illustration and people hiring you can't really bridge the gap of, well, this can translate. He knows how to use the, you know, software. He knows about composition and all these things. So it translates. And it took me like two years to finally get a design job out of college. Um, and once I got that job, I was, I was beyond excited and it was not the fairy tale I had pictured. <laughs> it was a challenge, um, mostly dealing with the business and dealing with uh, people in the business and the politicking. Um, and, you know, I, I struggled a lot because there was no branding or anything. And I, I really tried to bring that to the company. And I was always having meetings with people and they they kind of, you know, they, they did me wrong a little and, you know, they hired some marketing guy and then they let me go. <laughs> and I was like, I've been talking to you guys about this the whole time. What, you know, that was a rough two years for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So you're hustling, you're working hard, trying to find the job, you get yep. the job and it is nothing like what you had expected it is not what you had hoped. Mm-hmm. And then you get canned. Yeah. They laid off the entire design team and, uh, it was a surprise <laughs> for me. And I, you know, they basically just hired new people. And I was like, you know, I, I saw it as they saw I was a problem, but I was trying to bring, you know, when you deal with all these like internal opinions and there's no brand, mm-hmm. it's whatever anybody wants. And then they direct it into a platypus, right? They're like, well, here's what it looks like now. And then someone up high sees it and they're like, I don't like this. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to tell you guys, this isn't how to run this place. <laughs> so, but it was a good thing because uh, I'm not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So what's the, what is the lesson in that? Was there, was there signs that you saw where, you know, you're now looking to, you know, avoid, or you could, you could see those signs now that you've been through that or what's the lesson in that? Um, well, partly um, I guess, you know, be, I think this is something Chris Doe says, but like offer to help before you, you know, expect somebody to do something for you. So, um, and, and I guess looking back, I, I was offering to help, you know, but it was definitely from a place of an ego perhaps. And uh-huh. I still think I was right. You know, to this day, I feel more right than I was back then, <laughs> the more I learned. <laughs> but at the point, the point of it is, is it's like, you have to, you know, once you get into like a corporate job as a designer, there's a lot of politics and you don't learn that as a, you don't learn that in art school. There's a lot of politics and it's all about making the right people happy. If it means doing the wrong thing <laughs> as far as design. Now that's the double-edged sword because if it's the wrong thing and then someone comes back to you and says, 
well, this looks terrible. You really have to be able to back up. Well, I made this decision based off of, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, so, uh, you know, just looking out for that kind of thing. I, I would, uh, I mean, there's a lot of lessons to be learned that this, you know, weathering the storm, I, I had a rough time there and, uh, I just had to weather it. I learned my lessons and I, you know, got out but not by choice. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. Um, something you said reminded me of something my last guest said, I'm not going to tell you who they are yet, but um, you know, when you, you had mentioned that, you know, when somebody comes back to you, you need to be able to explain why you made those decisions, those design decisions. Well, my last guest made an interesting comment is that, you know, don't, don't fear putting out subpar work at the end of the day, it's your customer or your boss. It's them saying what they want it to look like you just have the tools to do the job so when you're doing a job for somebody it's them and you know what if if um nike puts out a terrible design they don't the the designer at nike doesn't get the media criticism doesn't get the attention it's nike look at this design nike put out it's the company that takes the brunt of those design decisions yeah. And that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, I say it's a double-edged sword because at the end of the day, it could come back on, on you, <laughs> you know, like if Nike takes heat and then they go, who did this? You know, there's potential it could come back. However, yeah. uh, I guess the big lesson is like earning a place at the table is like in business, you need to earn the place at the table to have a voice. And so, you know, d- doing the, going the extra mile, like, you know, being a good worker, you know, working extra, whatever it takes to like make people when a thing, when an emergency comes up that they go, I need to bring this to that person because they will take care of it and they will do it right. The first time, you know, being that person, getting that place at the table. It's hard though, in a corporation, because there's a lot of management changes sometimes. And when you, when you're like, Oh, I finally got my in on this, this person. And then all of a sudden they're gone and it's a new person. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> that's the rough part, but you know, right over. Yeah. I like that. Earning a place at the table. I like how you said that. That might be a Chris, Do, uh, Chris Doe thing too. So, uh, <laughs> Chris Doe gets the show. A lot of the things, a lot of the things I have been forming my, you know, does a career as, you know, definitely coming from him. So, mm-hmm. So Patrick, for this next one, I want to get a little bit more specific. I want to now hear about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well, did not bring the desired result, fell flat, whatever it is. Um, What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah. um, So there's, there's many examples, but uh, I guess, I guess I'll go back. I'll, I'll stick to the, the, the first job I had. Um, you know, no, I'm going to change it to the second job I had. The second job, All right. I won't, I won't name it, but to keep confidential. But there was, there was this internal group that we worked with every year. Mm-hmm. And this, they had this recurring uh, thing that happened every year, and every year they complained about the marketing team not doing a good job. And every year is not true. <laughs> and so, uh, w- the last year I was there, I said, okay. I, you know, it's a problem, you know, you have problems with people internally, but I'm like, I really want to make them happy. I really do. Even though if they don't like me, whatever, I want to make them happy. I'm going to just, I'm going to knock this out of the park. 
Yeah. I'm going to put it anytime something comes in from them, I'm going to treat it like it's like the number one priority and I'm going to get it, you know, done. And I did, I did all those things. I kept track of every email. I, you know, I was super attentive to their needs and everything they asked me to do. I did it. Mm-hmm. And their event happened and they complained. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, <laughs> like this is fine. You guys like, and it was a, that was a frustration, but you're going to have those people. Um, but that, that, that specific project did not go well in the end, just because I did do everything they asked, but, and I, and I honestly don't even know what I could have done better because I felt like I went out of my way to tiptoe, you know? So, so when you say that the, they complained after the event, what sort of materials um, and designs were you creating for this event? Like what was, what did this include? Um, so, I mean, it was like original, like artwork It ended up being like this big Photoshop job and yeah. there was, you know, advertisements, there was digital assets. Um, there was, um, you know, online assets. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that's digital, but you know, digital can not be online, but yeah, there were every, you know, a plethora of things um, for the event. And so lots, lots of pieces to this thing. Yeah, there were. Yeah. And there's probably had, like there's probably like 15 separate assets. Mm-hmm. And you had the paper trail that they loved it. They've approved it. This is all oh, good. Oh, I did. Yeah. They were like, Oh, it looks great. You know? And then we'd have meetings and they're like, this is great. And then like at the end they were like, Oh, they didn't do their job and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. I think some people are just complainers or they, you know, maybe they push the buck, you know, like, mm-hmm. I can't tell. I'm being really vague because if somebody hears this, because uh, I know a lot of people and I don't, I don't want them to be like, Oh, you're complaining about us. <laughs> Something pretty vague about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, that's all good. And, but I like that you brought it up because you know, when you're in that environment in house environment, like when you're freelancing, it's you. And if it's things that you're, you know, hiring a partner to assist you with, or, you know, hiring supporting designers for a project, like, that's you hiring them. But when you're, when you're in house, like, like you don't get to pick them usually. So you have to really be adaptable and almost, almost take on a bit of a sales role and, and be moldable to different personalities, different departments, different people in order to, you know, collect the right information you need to arrive at the right design solution. Yeah. And that, that kind of goes back to what I was saying is you really got to like your people person game has to be like on point. And uh, even if it has nothing to do with design, but, you know, going around and just, you know, talking to your coworkers, you know, or going out of your way to compliment people, I don't know what it is, but just having a good like reputation as Mm -hmm. a good person yeah. goes a long way. Uh, definitely. Huge. I think designers get a bad rap as being like egotistic and know-it-alls and <laughs> bringing, bringing those walls down, I think help. <laughs> yeah. Break them down with a couple of compliments. Yeah. Love exactly. It. Tell them they have good ideas, even if they're bad. <laughs> exactly. that's, a great, that's a great idea. We should definitely do that. <laughs> awesome. Um, Patrick, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um, 
dealing with people. <laughs> that is a lifelong problem, my friend. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, I, I think, uh, so the whole politicking thing, and this is why it's like fresh in my mind is, I, so last year I set out to read so many books. I, I think last year I read like 15 books, yeah. which is probably the most books I've ever read outside of college um, on my own. And they were all like business books, you know, right. marketing books, you know, um, and I've been listening to loads of podcasts. I've been really trying to figure out, you know, what it is, how to be a good business person as a designer. So, but to date, to this day, dealing with other stepping on people's toes or rubbing people the wrong way, you know, it sometimes, man, it gets so like, people get mad over the weirdest things in business. And uh, you're like, well, that's not your project or you shouldn't know anything about that at all. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get a seat at the table currently. I feel like I do have it in many respects um, at my current job, but I'm really trying to be like a go-to person. And for some people I am, um, but because my company is a billion dollar company, we deal with agencies yeah. So right now I'm really trying to like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can do what they're doing because I'm trying to be useful. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to bring some, you know, f- fresh ideas to the company because it's kind of legged and uh, it's design. Um, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, it's a work in progress. And we do have agencies we work with. We have like three agency partners. So what I'm trying, my current struggle is trying to be like, you know, involved in those conversations at least so that I know what's going on and, you know, I can at least speak to some things that's hard to do. So (laughs) because sometimes people find out they're like, you shouldn't be in this conversation. You shouldn't be in this phone call, you know? And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough when you're, you're in, in big companies like that. And, and I, you know, I keep, keep saying this. I'd like that saying where you're working to get a seat at the table. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's the struggle. That's what I'm struggling with right now. But, you know. Okay, well, let's turn that struggle around and let's get to a happy place here. Patrick, I want you to tell me now about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Yeah, um, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I do my own side thing. So as I was kind of, what I realized was, you know, out of college, I couldn't survive on my you know, doing some design here or there. So I got the job in the corporate world. And, but as I've done that, I've like, I've had the time to do freelance or do these side projects. Um, So one of the cooler things that I did this year was um, I reached out to REI and I, I got some of my uh, designs in their store in Fort Collins yeah, and I'm uh, I'm in talks to get them in the Denver store, um, and it all I got a I was listening to um, Kevin Hart and he was like talking about how he got started in the you know into comedy and he basically was like I just started asking people you know how'd you get here how'd you do this how'd you do this and I feel like so much as a designer as an artist like you have this like self doubt a lot and. Um, so because of COVID, I, you know, one of the things I used to do was markets a lot and I, they're all done. So I'm like, well, I really got to get some of my stuff, you know, somewhere else. So I was in REI one day and I was like, can I talk to your manager? <laughs> and that was all it took. 
honestly. People are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I talked to their manager. I just, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. What did you get yeah. in the store? Um, so I have like several sticker designs and yeah. uh, I have a 14er poster that I designed. So Colorado has like 56 14ers, um, 54 if you're snobbish. And um, I made a poster of all the topography of all the like peaks and they're all, you know, named and they're screen printed really well. Uh, so I got that in the store and I got, I think about six or seven stickers that I have there too. That's cool, man. So literally yeah. you were just in there one day shopping around and thought, I'm going to ask the manager, what's it, what the hell? The worst thing is. Yeah. And she, and it was, it was cool because she was like, she was like, I, I can't believe you just asked me that. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I've been wanting to find some like local designers to get in the store and then COVID happened. And she's like, and I thought, Oh, my dreams of that are over. And I was like, Oh, well, here I am, and, and here comes Patrick. And, yeah, can I can I do that? <laughs> so, yeah, she's trying. She's trying to help me get into the Denver store, um, which would be awesome. So, if anyone works for REI in Denver and is listening to this, <laughs> let's make it happen. Let's hook okay, me up. Yeah, that's wicked. Um, well, Patrick, you have reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So first up, my last guest was Phil from H E creative out of London, England. And he wanted to ask you what medium have you struggled with the most, but you or others actually thought you would be really good with or good at? Hi, you know, thank you for thinking that other people might think I'm good good at something. (laughs) uh, I mean, the biggest medium I struggle with is painting for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the second part. I don't know that anyone particular thought I might be good at it, <laughs> but so did you, did you think painting would come more naturally to you? Uh, honestly, I don't know. You know, I had some experience with, you know, watercolors and acrylics growing up and occasionally I might touch a mirror there, but, um, because of my illustration and my drawing, like I'm really like fine details, you know, and getting into painting, where the paint is fluid oil painting specifically mm-hmm. and it's you know it's not drying right away and it's you know you can't really it's you work in layers and man i struggled and my uh my painting professor he he knew he knew i was a good draw you know good at drawing and he was like patrick he's like you got to get out of this fine detail like every critique we ever had. He's like, you're too focused. I mean, a painting that took people like a few hours would take me days because I was too detailed. He's like, stop doing that. You can't do this. (laughs) So yeah, painting. No, thank you. (laughs) Painting is the thing. That's right. Um, Patrick, what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest for you? So I'm going to break, break you a second and I'm going to ask two questions. My first question is if you were not you know, in your position of, you know, whatever you are, creative director, designer, whatever, what would you be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, think about the skills you have. What would you do? My second question is, what's your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> I, have, I haven't had that one. I got to be honest. I haven't had that question yet. 
Yeah. And I got to thank my sister for that one. She posted something on Facebook about as an adult, no one ever asks you what your favorite dinosaur is anymore. But as a kid, that's like a must know question. So totally. yeah. man, I'm going to use that. So part of my job also is doing sales. Um, I'm going to start asking that question more often. You should. As sales meetings, I have, so one of the, um, you know, whenever you sit down with a new person or a new customer that you're going to want to do some work with, there's always that sort of like weird tension. You're trying to like feel each other out. Like, is this guy just going to all of a sudden drop an F-bomb? Like, do I got to be ready for that? Like, just, you know, you're trying to feel each other out. So one of the random questions that I do to sort of pull people out of their like worry and also to... Um, sort of create a little bit of a, a humor and sort of a strange situation that that pulls them out of that like business mindset um, is uh, what you have for dinner last night. It's <laughs> <laughs> randomly asked that because you learn things about people, right? So yeah, you just you disarm them, disarm yeah. the tension. <laughs> yeah, but I like this one. You know, instead of what you have for dinner last night, you know, before we get into this meeting, I first have to ask you, what's your favorite? <laughs> That's right. I'm going to try that one. I love I, it. Hey, I don't, I don't want you to lose any clients over this. You know, they might no. think it's great. I don't know. <laughs> it's worth the risk. It's worth it's the risk, it. Patrick. <laughs> glad. Awesome, man. Well, um, that is it, man. You've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Patrick. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that we could make this happen after a little back and forth. I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and talk to you. So. All right, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Again, the Craft Beer Label Design course drops March 2nd. Get front-of-the-line access to that bad boy by heading to printdesignacademy.com and just throwing in an email. That's it. That's all you got to do. So, like I mentioned off the hop of this episode, the little Anchorman reference that I uh, left in there, I might as well finish this by... You stay classy, San Diego. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.